Welcome to 2024, and as we begin this new year, uh, I thought it would be good to go to God's Word, to the book of Romans, that speaks into a culture that has drifted away from what God intended it to be. Paul was eager and ready to preach the gospel, and so he did that to the Roman people, but in the midst of it all, he gave them some warnings of what happens in a culture when it moves away from God, how it takes a downward spiral along that path until eventually God has no choice but to bring judgment. I believe the book of Romans speaks to us today. So I hope you'll enjoy it as we dig in with these podcasts. I want to ask you to take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, and this passage of Scripture, this great, great uh, chapter from God's Word just continues to drip diamonds in our midst as we consider the great gospel truth. And we're going to do that again today uh, as we begin to come down to conclusion from Romans chapter 4, but fear not. Romans chapter 4 gives way to Romans chapter 5, and it just keeps getting better and better and better all the way through the book of Romans. Romans chapter 4 begins with Abraham, and the end of chapter 4, I want you to pick up with me looking this morning at verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now I want you to look in verse 23. Look carefully at 23. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Now the Word of God in Romans chapter 4, beginning this chapter, uh, talks about Abraham. And this is what it tells us. It says that Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him for righteousness. You get the idea that Abraham, somewhere in the, in the Abraham believed God, something miraculous took place in his life. And we know that Abraham uh, shows up more in the New Testament. The name Abraham, other than the name of Jesus, the name Abraham is more frequently used than any other name. More than Paul, more than Peter, more than James, more than John, more than Mary, the mother of Jesus, or any other Mary that's mentioned in the New Testament. The name of Abraham is most often used. And he is used as a lesson that in the Old Testament saints, among the Old Testament saints, those who didn't have the insight, didn't have the opportunity to have the insight into the grace of God and what Jesus Christ had purchased on the cross and how Jesus had rose from the dead. Even among those Old Testament saints, the Bible says that he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. This is very, very important. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him 
for righteousness. So we know that there was a day when Abraham stood out under a starry sky and God said to Abraham, consider all the stars in the heavens. Can you count them? No, sir, I cannot count them. And he said, even so, according to the number of the stars in the heavens, so shall thy seed be. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. God declared an unrighteous man to be righteous. No more penalty, no more punishment for sin. All of Abraham's sins are covered when God calls him righteousness. And if we understand anything at all about the life of Abraham, this is what we know. Abraham was a saved man. So you read it and you think, well, okay, so the Bible says it, so I know that it's true. But, but I want you to look at verse 23 and 24 when it says now it was not written for his sake alone it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him but for us also now I want you to please think about this so it was not written for his sake alone Abraham didn't have anything that needed to be written down so it would help him along the way with regard to that. He heard God. He believed God. It was credited to him for righteousness. And God had written it in the heavens, and God had written it in Abraham's heart, and it was not written for his own sake that it was credited to him for righteousness, but for us who believe. This is very important. There was no point, uh, I don't think, that Maybe Abraham said something like this, maybe wrote somewhere on his scroll or wrote somewhere in his Bible, today, April the 2nd, 1800 B.C., I was saved. Now, you may have written something like that down. There might have been a point in your life where you trusted Christ. I hope there has been. You trusted Christ as your Savior. And as such, you even wrote it in your Bible. I could have written down October the 5th, 1972. It is pinned in my heart and is pinned in my mind. I never wrote it down in my Bible that on this particular day I came to know Christ, but it, it happened nonetheless. And in my life it is written because there was a change that took place. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and I was saved. But now the Bible says it was not written down for Abraham's sake alone that he believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, but it was written for our sake that Abraham believed and it was imputed to him for righteousness. So I want you to see this here at the beginning of verse 24, but for us also there are things, many, many, many things in God's Word that are written down just for us. Have you ever just been reading along and you've come to a passage of Scripture? And maybe you've read the Bible many times, but you've never seen that verse before. Now, how can that happen? I, I don't know. But you say, I've, I never saw that before. Where did that come from? I mean, I've read the Bible many times, and somehow or other, God overnight put this passage of Scripture in the Bible, and, and why have I never seen that before? Or maybe it's like this. You're reading along, and you are down and discouraged, and almost the point of just raising a white flag and just quitting, and all of a sudden you come across a passage of Scripture, and it's like God wrote that verse 
just for you. It is the, this, is how, this is how it works. It is the Holy Spirit making the Word of God come alive. And there is a word, a specific word that God has given you. I remember many, many years ago serving a church. As I was serving the Lord in this church, it was not always an easy place to serve the Lord. Actually, there are no easy places, okay? So if you think there is, uh, just get over it. There are no easy places. And so I'm just, I'm just there being the pastor, trying to serve people, uh, going through all that pastors go through, and I am, I am discouraged, and I am down, and I'm coming through the book of, of John, and I come to John chapter 15, verse 16, that says, you've not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you would preach the gospel, that you would teach the, the word of God, and that whatsoever you will have what would ask in my name, I will give it unto you. So God, just as like in a moment, breathed the word into my heart. This is true, folks. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. God does speak to you. Now, he's not speaking to you a bunch of craziness. He's speaking to you out of this book. He writes it down, and this is what he says, I have written this for your sake. So I can tell you this this morning. There is a word in God's word that was written specifically for you. This was written for us. This was written for me. So if I know that I have a letter from somebody or I get an email from somebody and it's not some general uh, chain email that says, please send me some money, it may be somebody living in Dubai that tells me I've inherited billions and billions of dollars, then I'm interested in that. I want to know all about that billions and dollars of stuff that I've inherited. No, if I get a specific message from someone written to me, I want to get it. I want to hear it. And this is what God's Word says. This has been written for your sake. This is an encouraging word to you. Do you need a word of encouragement? Well, this is an encouraging word to you. Not, not just something about something somebody that happened 3,800 years ago, but how can something that happened to somebody 3,800 years ago be an encouragement to me? Well, this is what the Word of God says. It says, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed unto him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. God gives us words of encouragement, and I want to share four of them with you this morning. Number one, I am encouraged to believe. I am encouraged to believe. Look at what he says. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. It's not just that Abraham believed God, without a doubt. He's the outstanding example in God's Word of someone that believed. It's not just that Abraham believed God. I am to believe God. You are to believe God. The word that is translated imputed means to put down to another person's account. God says concerning Abraham, put it on my tab. Put it on my tab. Now, that's, that's a simple way of putting it. But don't you just like to go to lunch with people and they say, put it on my tab. And a waitress comes around, will this be one check or two? And now you got somebody at the table that says, I, I, one check. Put it all on one check. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. It was all put on one tab. All of Abraham's sin was put on that tab. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, he did this 
When Christ died on the cross, he did it for sins in the past. God, in Jesus Christ, looking back at the past, all of the Old Testament saints, the blood of Jesus Christ covered their sins for sins of the past. He put Abraham's sin on his tab, and Abraham was a sinner. But more than that, he put my sin on his tab because I am a sinner. So Jesus Christ paid for all of it. Don't I need to continue to go through life and continue to pay for sin and do penance for sin? It has been paid for. It's been paid in full. When Christ cried out, it is finished on the cross, it was finished. It was paid in full. Telelestai, the job had been done. The bill had been paid. Jesus Christ has paid it in full. And that's what he said to me, Monty, it's on my tab. Hello, this is Monty Schenkel, and we sure appreciate you listening to this podcast. This is a new effort on our part from Take Heart Ministry. A little over a year ago, we began Take Heart Ministry with the intention of telling people by means of radio and also the internet and now by podcast that they can take heart because Jesus cares for them. If you'd like to know more about us, if you'd like to check our ministry out, you can go to takeheart.org. If you would like to personally contact me, you can write to Monty Schinkel or you can write to mschinkel at takeheart.org. Thank you for listening, and now back to the podcast. Somebody has said that Romans 3.25 says that Jesus paid for sins that are past, and he did. Jesus said concerning Abraham, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. In other words, looking ahead to the cross of Christ. Every lamb in the Old Testament was slain that was slain as a sacrifice was like a finger that was pointing toward a day when the Lamb of God would die on the cross for all of the sins because he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. What did Abraham believe? Abraham believed God's promise of a child. He believed the sufficiency of God's covenant, but beyond all of that, Abraham believed God. He believed God. What God said was true. What God promised would surely come. Where God led, Abraham would follow. And when I read God's Word, then I understand that the whole of God's Word, really all of God's Word, is written for one particular purpose. These things are written that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. When John wrote in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, he says we're to have confidence we are to believe that we can know that we pass from death into life because of our belief and that we might believe on the name of the Son of God. Why do we gather here on Sunday morning? Why do we preach? Why do we sing? Well, there, there are a number of reasons. I mean, I can't just give a simplistic answer. We gather here just like our choir just lifted our hearts and pointed us toward Jesus Christ, and they're a witness, they're a testimony, and you say, well, we are gathered here today to give glory to God and praise His name, and we are. But I don't think the, looks, the Lord looks down from heaven on Sunday morning and, and looks at Monty Schinkel's sermon and uh, examines it and says, I'm going to mark you on how well you gave glory to me. I don't think that's how it's going to be done. The purpose that we have, even why do we preach? Why do we preach to men, women, boys, girls? Why do we preach? Why do we proclaim the Word of God? It's for this purpose. And that is people will hear and they will believe. Why do we have this building? 
or the belief that we can have a place where we can proclaim the Word of God and get people to believe. You know what they were doing in the New Testament? Uh, They were going house to house, door to door, talking to people about Jesus Christ, trying to get them to believe. When they gathered together to worship, they were trying to get people to believe. I think when they sang songs to the glory of God, they were trying to get people to believe. You know what my greatest desire in life is? Every time I walk into the pulpit, and it has been this way for over 40 years, and that is, Lord, may somebody believe. I'm trying to encourage you to believe. I can remember the first church I pastored, and a a lady just simply said to me, you can't get everybody saved. Everybody is not going to get saved. But I'd like to see everybody get saved. I would like to think that every time we gather together to worship, that we have so proclaimed the Word of God in such a way that we have encouraged and urged people to simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, these words are written to encourage you to believe. Just believe. I'm encouraged to believe that the very same God, the very same God that Abraham believed, I believe. And I have so many facts that I know that Abraham did not know. I have more information about how my sin was dealt with on the cross of Jesus Christ. I understand more about the mercy seat and propitiation than Abraham could have possibly ever understood. I understand more about the declaration of righteousness that I'm justified through the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I understand more about justification than Abraham could have understood because I've got more information, so much more information. I understand more about how Jesus was delivered up for my offenses than Abraham ever could because he didn't have that information. But this is what Abraham did. He simply believed God. Abraham believed God could raise the dead, and he knew that he had raised his own body up, a dead body up, so that he could have a child. And Sarah's dead womb could be raised so that she could have a child, and if necessary, that he could even raise a dead Isaac. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19 says, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Here's the thing that you must not miss. Only the Holy Spirit can open your eyes and ears to see and hear. You must believe God for your righteousness. Don't miss this, folks. Millions of Americans in what in years gone by would have been called a Christian nation Millions of Americans go to church every Sunday and they don't get this. They're trusting the church. They're trusting the ordinances. They're trusting their works. And that all the talk and preaching we could ever do can never get this out of their mind. But I'm saying to you this morning, you must believe God for your righteousness. For he's the only one that can give it. Believe like Abraham, in spite of everything you know about yourself. Somebody says, well, if you would just know me, you would know that the offer of righteousness to me cannot be that way because I am not worthy of the righteousness of Christ. I am not worthy of the death of Christ. Listen, you believe God in spite of your unworthiness. You believe God in spite of everything you know about yourself. And if you will believe God, then the Bible says it is counted to you for righteousness. I'm simply saying it is written here, this whole of Romans chapter 4, it is written here to encourage us to believe. And we got that settled. Because I've been preaching 15 minutes to get that point settled. 
It's written to encourage you to believe. Now, if you believe, here's the second thing that we're encouraged to do, and this is wonderful. If I have believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, who died for my offenses, delivered for my offenses, and raised for my justification, then the second thing he's encouraged me to do is rest. Just rest. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. Some of you are resting real good right now. Therefore... Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know how it is to not have peace? A lot of people, some of you this morning, you don't have peace. You can't say it's well with your soul. You don't have rest. And there are those people that even say, I believe in God for my salvation. And yet their life is, life is characterized by struggle. And they just have a problem relaxing. You're not the pilot. You're not flying this airplane. You get on there and you get set down in your seat. And you buckle up just like what they tell you to do. And you just as well, and hardly when we fly do we ever do this, but you just well rest. Where that pilot takes you, where that plane goes, that's where you're going to. And if I understand God's Word correctly, we come to know Christ as Savior. We believe in God for our righteousness. And he says, once you've done this, believe in God for your righteousness, then let him have it. Let him take your life and take control. Rest in the Lord. And this is what he does. He encourages us to rest. Liddy H. Edmonds wrote an old hymn that we need to drag it out and sing this sometime. The title of it is, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. The first stanza says, My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. I'm telling you, that's a place to rest. So when you stand before God, that's a place to rest. When you're living your life in the middle of a crazy world, that's a place to rest. I'm encouraged to rest in the Lord, being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful promise that is. Peace follows justification. You remember what it was like when your sins were forgiven, and you knew it. And the Lord Jesus touched your life, and there was no doubt whatsoever that you had been saved. And then all of a sudden, it's like this wonderful weight has been lifted. So in this present life, I have peace with God. My sins have been forgiven. That's all in the past. It's all gone. I can rest in the Lord. He took my sin upon himself, and I'm forgiven. That which has weighed me down for so long doesn't weigh me down anymore. If I don't have peace with God, I don't have peace with myself. And always hanging out there before me is this day when I will give an account of myself to God. I will answer for my sin. I will give an account. Suddenly the old account is settled, and I don't owe anything anymore. I am debt-free. Be at peace. Now, how many of you are Germans? 
I mean, you say, well, I'm Americans, but I mean, you got German blood in you. If you're from central Missouri, yeah, you're Heinz 47, but you're German, probably. Well, the Germans had a thing that they used to do that when their house was totally paid for, they painted the door red. Sometimes you'll drive through a German community and you'll see red doors, which means this house is paid for. I got a red door. The house is paid for. It's a a symbol of the fact that there is no debt left. Let me tell you, hang a red door in front of your life if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior because there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And be at rest. Nobody's going to show up at your door to try to repossess it. And if the devil comes to your door, just send Jesus to the door. You can be absolutely at peace because you know Christ as your Savior. And all this comes about because you believe. He encourages us to believe. Then he encourages us to rest. And then he encourages us to stand. Look at what he says in verse 2. He says, chapter 5, verse 2, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. I have access by faith into this grace wherein I stand. My life is one continuing story of amazing grace. By faith I enter in Uh, to living in His grace. Imagine standing in a field of grace. Imagine swimming in an ocean of grace. Imagine being able to write a check at the bank of grace. I'm not just saved by grace, and hallelujah I am, and my chains are gone, and now I, I have the, the grace of God in my life. I'm not just saved by grace, I'm living by grace. And if peace and rest points back to being set free from the sin that was in the past, then, then grace and standing in grace gives me access into everything that I need in my life every day. And we used to sing an old song, it'll do when I am dying and it's good enough for me. Well, we think about living by grace. There's the grace by which we are saved. There's the grace by which we live. And then there's the grace by which we die. The bottom line is this. It is whatever the need that you have in your life, God can supply the grace. When Peter was writing in 1 Peter, he talked about the manifold trials we go through. And then later in 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 1 Peter, he writes about the manifold grace of God. The word manifold means many different colors. And so, for every color of trial that comes into your life, there is a color of grace that God has already prepared to match it. And He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He addeth more strength when the labors increase. This is what He says. We stand, we have access to His grace. How do we get that access? By believing. So when we believe, and we're encouraged to believe, then we rest. And when we rest... Then we stand, and when we stand, then God's Word encourages us to hope. Look again in verse 2, Romans chapter 5. It says, By whom also we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now I'm looking to the future. I'm not living in the past. Verse 2 says that through Jesus Christ, I have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. John Stott said this phrase, the glory of God, points us to the ultimate effect 
of justification. The glory of God here means heaven because God himself will be fully revealed. Indeed, so sure is this hope that we can rejoice in it now already. We're rejoicing in the hope of heaven. You'll find it's going to happen in your life. Life is going to pass by while you're living, while you're doing life. Life is going to pass by, and I can assure you, life passes very quickly. And the further you go in life, and the more loved ones you have that have left this life and they've stepped into eternity, your focus will also begin to shift. And it'll begin to shift in ways like this. You're going to say, God, whatever happens, I want to finish well. I want to finish well. Because I'm hoping in the glory of God. I'm looking for the day when I go home. And life is good. Life is wonderful. We want to keep on living. Matt told me last night that regarding Rita, that she had told him earlier in the day, I don't want to go, but I'm ready to go. Well, she has Harold, she has children, she has grandchildren. Yeah, there's a separation. It's not that you want that separation, but you live your life with the hope of the glory of God, knowing that she's got loved ones that are on the other side. She, she doesn't want to go, but she's ready to go. And this all comes about because there's a time in your life when you believe in the one who was delivered up for your offenses and was raised for your justification. I would say to this, this to you this morning, folks, here are four words of encouragement that God's Word encourages you to do. It encourages you to just believe God. Everything He's written, everything He's spoken, everything He's said, every promise, just believe God. It encourages you to rest, that if you've believed him, your sins are forgiven, they're covered. All that is in the past is in the past. All that junk is gone. You don't have to drag it up again. It's been removed as far as the east is from the west, buried in the deepest sea. You don't have to ever worry about that if you've believed in Jesus Christ. And then whatever you're going through in this time, then you're just standing in the grace of God. Because whatever problem comes into your life, this is a promise. This is a word of encouragement. Whatever problem comes into your life, His grace is sufficient. It's enough. And then we look forward to the future with the hope of the glory of God because we have believed. Believing takes care of my sins that are in the past. Believing takes care of my trouble that's in the present. Believing takes care of any fear in the future. I just believe God. My greatest desire this morning for you is that you believe him too. That's why we preach. That's why we plead with men. That's why we give an invitation. That's why we talk to people about Jesus. That's why we encourage you to come. The plea that we put forth week after week is simply only believe. Believe God. And God says, put it on my tab. Jesus Christ has paid it all.
Thank you for listening to this podcast today. We appreciate you tuning in. We pray that this has been a blessing to you. And I pray that today you in your own heart can take heart because you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And Jesus came to be the Savior of all who would call upon Him. And if today you've never trusted in Him, I encourage you to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive me and save me. And God's Word says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our purpose in all of this is to encourage you to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to take heart in Jesus. He cares for you.